This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Creation through maturity. My son was asking me if I had a key verse, and I got I got a lot of verses here. If you need a key verse, uh, I, I would suggest you. you um, you, you just put a, a, a notation in your Bibles at Ephesians 4 and 12. That's, a, that's always a great key verse. Um, so we're talking about restoration. And last time when we talked about restoration, we, we, we wanted to make sure that you all understood that the intention of this message is that your personal restoration, it cannot be completed outside of the perfecting gift. That your, your personal restoration... It cannot, it, it cannot be completed outside of the perfecting gift. And also that your attempts to restore others. I know some of you are listening, you have a lot of church experience, you've got Christian experience. And you say, well, well, this is a good message, let me make sure I take it to, to, to so-and-so or to, or, to, or to who and them. And so, just know that your attempts to restore others... They will fall short, fall well short, outside of the perfecting gift. Outside, you know, because God has, God has ordained a method of maturing His church. And if, you're, if you are a believer, if you are a member of His church, then you need to follow His methods. Right? Because your methods will not work. If you try to build with uncertain materials on a sure foundation, that which you build can only collapse. It can only collapse. You have to build with the materials that you're given, that God has given you in order to be perfected. And so one thing I wanted to make sure that we clarified in, in this message, you know, there, there's what we call our saint-to-saint ministry. And it's so important because in saint-to-saint ministry, Every joint supplies. Every joint supplies. The, the, the ministry that we have between those that are our neighbors, those that, that, that are our associates, those that we invite into our, our, our homes, that, that, that we invite um, into our associations. This is what I'm calling saint-to-saint ministry. And, and, and God forbid that you should neglect saint-to-saint ministry, that you should close yourself off and not open yourself up to be asked for assistance, to, to give assistance, to, to be present, to listen to, and to hear, and to attend to the needs of your brothers and your sisters. And so this, this is a vital, it is an important uh, ministry that we have as saints. But what I'm talking about, when I'm talking about perfecting ministry... What I'm talking about is that which is that which goes through the progression of authority through God's house. So when we're talking about perfecting ministry, just know that it's different from your saint to saint ministry. Because we're saying that this is that which goes through the progression of authority in God's house. And and I want to stress that because a lot of times we get um, sort of we try to replace one thing with another. 
we think that God is possibly confused and that God is possibly overlooked. And maybe God didn't quite understand when he wrote his word. But listen, God knew exactly what he was talking about when he wrote his word, when he gave the scriptures to us. He, he laid it down line upon line, precept upon precept. And if you would just listen and attend, you would understand how to make application. And so there, there is a ministry that is the perfecting ministry and it follows the progression of authority in God's house. And so just real quickly in recapping, when we're talking about restoration, restoration is about getting back into a place. It's about getting back into a condition. It's about reestablishing. We said it doesn't put you back at the beginning but it places you where you need to be for this current span of time. And just as restoration, the word restoration, is about getting you back into the place where you can hear from God, maturity, maturity is all about when you're able to hear from God that you can obey. Maturity is that now that you hear from God, that you put application to that which you've heard, that you truly hear. And to truly hear means that you hear and that you obey. That you discipline yourself. That you discipline yourself to act on the instructions that are given to you. You know, when we talk about maturity, I want you to understand that your maturity is not, is not, in, your, is not in your great knowledge. Right? Your, your maturity is not in your years. Your maturity is not in your accumulation of possessions, right? That, that, that's not maturity. But guess what? Your maturity will be seen in, your maturity will be seen in how your obedience has changed as you've gained those years. You shouldn't still be obeying the same way at 25 that you were at 14. God is calling you to a greater level. Of maturity. Your maturity will be seen in how you apply your knowledge. There should be things that, that you know to say at the appropriate time, and there should be things that you know not to say. Now, a, a little one, a small child, they can be excused for just blurting out the first thing that comes into their minds because we know that they are immature. But maturity is in those things that you know to speak and those things that you know not to say. It's in how you perceive the thing and you are able to obey and to apply the instruction beyond the literal words that are spoken. And so the immature, the immature person has to be told every single thing to do. And that, and that alone is all that they will do. And in fact, just, I'm going to just go there real quickly. The immature person, they have to be told by pastor. And that's the only person that they'll accept instruction from. And whatever pastor says, exactly as pastor says it, that's what they'll do. That's immature. That's immature. But the mature person follows the progression of authority in God's house. They're able to hear the instructions and they're able to make full, full application of what it is that needs to be done. 
They don't need to be controlled like a robot. They understand what needs. If you say that the sanctuary needs to be clean, they know what clean is. If you say that we need to, to have a certain class, they know how to prepare and how to study and how to gather those materials in. They don't need to be told every single thing. The, the, the trust, the, there's a trustworthiness. There's a track record. But guess what? It doesn't, it doesn't just come. That, it has to be developed in you. It has to be developed in you. It has to be developed in you. Now, far be it from us, far be it from us to take an immature Christian and just give them an instruction and say, just do, and not give them the details and expect excellence. That, 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 would, be, that would be negligence on the part of leadership. No, we know you're immature, so we have to tell you specifically. But once, once you, you've gone through it, and we've walked with you, and we we held your hand as you did it, and we and, and we and we listened to you as you gave your opinions and your thoughts about what could change and about what could be improved and about about what you about what God was speaking to you about how that thing could actually serve the ministry. Then we can tell you do, and you can do, because you've grown, you've gotten to the point where you can hear from God, and you can take action. You've become useful. You become useful to the kingdom. Maturity, it's not about your possessions, but your maturity is seen in how you handle your possessions. The immature person is still, is still taking dimes from every dollar. They, 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 they calculate their ties all the way down to the, to the last dime. They say it's a dime from every dollar, so every dime must be accounted for. They look and they see... You know, when, when, when is the giving deadline? I'm going to make sure that I give right on that deadline. Maybe a little bit later. I'm just going to do just enough. In fact, my, 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 my money is stretched so thin that I can only do, that I can only do just enough. Heaven forbid the immature person that, 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 that makes the commitment and says that they will fully support, that they will, they, that they will fully engage in the giving, only to say later on that, well, this happened. The car broke down. My kids got sick. I got sick. My boss didn't like me. They don't like my color. They don't like my gender. They don't like men at that place. They don't like women at that place. See, immaturity, immature makes excuses. Immature makes excuses. But the mature Christian, they say, my word is my word. My word is my... If I have to stay up later, if I got to press harder, if I need to walk when I could have ridden because this is set aside for what's already been committed, if I have to humble myself and ask for someone else, can we come over to your house for dinner today? Can I catch a ride to work with you? You know what? Y'all, y'all, y'all act like y'all don't even know where you come from, where God has brought you from. You act like you don't even know how you made it over, what God has done in your life. 
now that your houses are, are, are complete and well furnished, you act like you don't even remember when all you had was all you had. And you needed, you needed family. You needed your brothers and your sisters. Because you had a place to be. And you couldn't get there without them. We're talking about maturity. Maturity is in how you manage your possessions. It's not, it's not in having great possessions, but it's, it's seen in how you manage those possessions. When we talk about maturity, one word that, that's used in Scripture is the word perfect. It's the word perfect. And you should endeavor to be perfect in your generation. You should endeavor to be complete in the revelation that God has given to you. In Genesis chapter 6, it's talking about Noah and all the people, all the, the, the nations that were in existence. The culture that was in place at the, at, at the time of Noah. And the report that we have of Noah is that Noah was in Genesis chapter 6 verse 9. It says that these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And perfect in his generations. And how was that? And Noah walked with God. Restoration. Get back to the place where you're in his presence. Where you hear from him. When we talk about maturity, another word that comes to mind is the word blameless. Is the word blameless. Turn real quick to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. We said maturity is, is seen in, in how you're able to obey. How you're able to conduct yourself. Philippians chapter 2. Let's just start at verse 12. It says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That scripture ought to be familiar to this church. That scripture ought to be familiar to this church. Verse 13, it says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. It's active. God is working in you. He's creating the desire, but he's also enabling you to act, to act, to take action. It says 14, Do all these things without murmurings and disputings. 15, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Among whom ye shine as lights in the world. So maturity is about being blameless. We said last time that, that your maturity, is it, God is not going to put you in a state where you're only good for inside of these church walls. That you will have a name that stands both in, in, in the natural and in the spiritual, in the eyes of men and in the eyes of God. Your maturity. Your maturity. Restoration is essential 
to every single member of this ministry. I don't want any of you to think that restoration, that you left out a restoration. But it is, an, it is essential for every single member of this ministry. That it's, it's about your fellowship with God the Father. Restoration is about your fellowship with God through the Son, Jesus Christ. Restoration is about your fellowship with God through the Son, Jesus Christ, as the Holy Spirit acts in you. Restoration is about your fellowship with God through the Son, Jesus Christ, as the Holy Spirit is acting in you to be a blessing, to be a blessing to your neighbor. We said that your restoration, it starts with your, with your salvation. It starts with that, that, that line, that, 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 that line in the sand where you said that I, I, was, I was lost before, but now, now I'm found. Don't, don't despise your confession. Don't, don't despise when you were baptized and went down in that water. Don't despise when you gave your heart to the Lord. Some people will say, well, oh, I, just, I just felt emotional that day. They, they'll try to steal. They'll try to steal your testimony away from you. Even to this day, I remember where I was on, on the campus of the University of Texas. A 20-year-old young man, unsure about his life. But one thing I knew is that God was not pleased with me. Another young man had come to me and, 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 I, and I tried to dazzle him with, with my knowledge of the Word of God because I grew up in the church. I, I knew what the words were. And he says, well, I understand you know what the words are, but is God pleased with the life that you're living? And that cuts straight through. It cuts straight through to the bone. And I couldn't lie to myself couldn't lie to myself. I said, I know that God is not pleased with my life. I know that God is not pleased with my life. Your salvation experience, that, that line that marks where you were before and where you are now. Don't despise that. That's where your restoration begins. Because guess what? Even now, in my, in my, my hardest times, in the depths of my struggles, I can say, God, I only want to be pleasing to you. Lord, what I tried before, I may have failed. I didn't succeed. I may, I, 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 through my ignorance, I may have offended someone. But Lord, I just want to please you. And I go, I go back to, to, that, to that, that basic confession. That Lord, I, I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my Lord. that my life would be glory unto you. So your restoration, it, it begins with your, with your salvation. But we saw before that, that, that Jesus, he told his disciples that, that, that you, have, you must exceed that initial starting point. You need to exceed that starting point because I didn't save you for you to do nothing in the kingdom. If God saves you for you to do nothing, he could have saved you and took you at the same time. 
But God told his disciples, he says, your righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the religious leadership. And when we say exceed, it means it has to go beyond. It's got to go beyond your experiences. It's got to go beyond your comfort zone. It's, it's got to go beyond what you even believe is possible. What you even believe is possible. It's got to go beyond your, your tradition. You say, well, how is, that how is that supposed to happen? God has given you a perfecting ministry. He's given you a perfecting gift to help you to grow up. To grow into who you need to be to be useful to the kingdom. So when we look at the perfected ministry, the perfected ministry, it, it, it follows the progression of authority in God's house. It begins with God the Father that ordained, that, that spoke, that, that the house should be established. It continues through His Son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life, who shed his blood, that the house may be established. Christ is the foundation of the house. It continues in the person of the Holy Spirit that Christ sent to lead the believers, to lead the body of Christ into truth. And we see that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit we know it, is power. But it's not just explosive, it's not uncontrolled, it's, it's very disciplined. It's very disciplined activity. The Holy Spirit organizes the bodies of Christ. By the gift of grace that's given to men. For the purpose of leading men. To the knowledge of God. The Holy Spirit organizes the body of Christ by the gift of grace given to men for the purpose of leading men to the knowledge of God. Go to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Just starting with verse 7, it says, this, this is um, Paul talking to the church at Ephesus, and he's talking about his, 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 his ministry and his, 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 his work in ministry. He says, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. By his power. When we see power, it's the Holy Spirit. Unto me who am less than the least of all saints, it is the grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known, might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. He's saying that the reason why the Holy Spirit 
has gifted me is so that I may declare unto men, he says unto Gentiles, but unto all men, this mystery of God. This myth, the thing that was hidden. And the reason why we call it as a mystery is because it could not be discerned without the aid of the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit did not reveal it, you would not know it. Science could not test for it. Your traditions and the stories of old could not pass it on to you. It must be made known unto you by the preaching of the word. The manifold wisdom of God. The manifold wisdom of God. And what is this knowledge? The knowledge of God is that which reveals to man what God intended man to be. It is that which reveals to man what God intended man to be. And so God will always select. He will always select men and delegate authority to lead his people. These leaders, they have the grace of God, which is the Holy Spirit, in their lives. And that's what we call the perfecting gifts, the perfecting ministry. When we talk about sanctification, this is the ongoing process of the perfecting gift in your life. So that you can become useful to God. So that you can become mature, complete. One thing about perfecting is that perfecting is needed when there is a capacity. When there is a capacity, but the execution is lacking or is inconsistent. So when we talk about perfecting, why perfecting? Why, why, why do we need to be matured? Why do we need grace? Applied to the body of Christ. It's because there is a capacity. There is an ability. There is a natural ability. There is knowledge. There is wisdom. There is maturity that should be on display. But the execution is lacking. Or when it is there, it's spotty. It's inconsistent. That's, that, that's how we know that perfecting is needed. You know, in the Jewish tradition, they had this term, it's called rabbi. And I'm just going to press through this. In the Jewish tradition, they had this term, it's called rabbi. And if you read in the New Testament, especially in, in the Gospels, you see in several instances where the scribes and the Pharisees, they, they, they approach Jesus, or just various people would approach Jesus, and they would say, rabbi, rabbi, as, 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 a, as, a, as an honorific, as a term of honor, as, as a placeholder title. It means my master. And it's often applied to teachers and others that were in an exalted or a revered position. You know, a lot of times this term rabbi, you know, in the modern day we hear people call, 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 call you reverend. Reverend, 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 reverend. And it's always interesting you get to see the people that call you reverend. Usually they're not the ones that are, that are submitted to to, to any kind of a delegated authority. 
They, they, they believe that if they, if they use that, that, that title, that smooth word, that whatever else they say will be, will be mitigated. That you can say anything after you say reverend. In, in, any, any crazy thought that comes to your mind after, you, after you've been called someone a reverend. I, I hear a lot of times people call, call you pastor. Call you pastor. Call you bishop. As a doctor. Doctor. Doctor reverend. Doctor bishop. As if, as if the title itself was anything. As if the title itself had any power. Especially not in the lives of the people that are using it. As if the title itself had any power. And we know that it's not true because it didn't have any power in the lives of, the, of those that are using it. We see that Jesus' disciples, they called him Lord. Those on the outside called him rabbi, teacher, master. But his disciples, they called him Lord. He who is greater than I am. Go to Matthew chapter 23. We're trying to understand, trying to show to you why, why you need a perfecting ministry. Why you need a perfecting ministry. Matthew 23. We'll just start at the beginning. It says, Then Jesus spoke to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. He says, The scribes and the Pharisees, they, they, they sit in the place of tradition. They sit in the place of the, of the, the laws and the oracles that were given of old. In Moses' seat, in the seat of judgment. And they read the law correctly. They say the words correctly, but they say and do not. He says, don't, don't do after their works, because they say and they do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne. They lay them on men's shoulders, but, put, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. Jump down to verse 8. It says, But be not ye called rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and all ye are brethren. And call no man your father upon the earth. For one is your Father, which is in heaven. Neither be ye called masters. For one is your Master, even Christ. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. So Jesus says that the time, the time, the time for masters, that, that, that time is past, if it, ever, if it ever was. You don't see the term rabbi in the Old Testament. It's something that happened in the, in, in the intertestamental period where they began to use this honorific. But Jesus says that, that don't, call, don't call yourselves masters. Don't fashion yourselves after this manner. Don't place yourselves in a position that is higher than your brother. In fact, he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. And we see here that, that the Lord, he gives us pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. He doesn't give us masters. 
He doesn't give us masters. Now, a lot of times, because we're sinful men, we try to make our pastors into masters. We try to place upon them that burden and say, you know what, you are in an exalted position, which is a position that I cannot attain. So therefore, the things that you say are truly good things to say. And I know that you're living your life according to what is spoken. But how can I, a mere man, how can I, a mere man, achieve these things? You know, it's, it's kind of like, I'm going to just use this example. It's, it's kind of like um, a lot of you, when, when you started the year, and you got your gym memberships. You got, you, you got your gym memberships and you, and you got all excited about your, your workout plans. And you and you, you bought, you know, because you were you were excited. You bought you bought a six month, you bought a twelve month, you bought the whole package. And you're still making payments. And, and yeah, we had the corona, but guess what? A lot of people are still doing their exercise programs online. You haven't even tuned in online to continue the programs. You strutted around for a few weeks, saying, "Oh yeah, I'm getting fit. I'm getting thin this year." I'm getting strong this year. These 50 pounds are going away. These 20 pounds are going away. Goodbye chicken, goodbye fries, aerobicize, aerobicize. And it lasted for all of two weeks. It lasted for all of two weeks. Now you're still paying because you committed yourself. But you didn't commit yourself, you, you didn't commit your heart. You didn't commit your heart. You didn't commit your heart. Listen, I'm going to just put it like this. We had a lot of people that poured into this place when our founding pastor died. When he made his transition. We had people from all over pouring into this place. Eager to see what was going on. To hear the word of God. They joined in our, in our celebrations. They, they joined in our, in, in our, in our joining. In our festivities. But just like those gym memberships, once the time came to actually make the commitment to lay down their lives, you saw them gradually back away, gradually back away, gradually back away. Because they were, they, to them, he was just a master. He was just a teacher. The perfecting gift that was here, our pastor, Pastor Alva Hill, she was just a good teacher. She was just a good teacher. She was not God's gift given for their lives. To mature them. To grow them up. If they had stayed, they would have grown up some. If they had stuck around, they would have grown up some. Now they're still sucking their thumbs. They're still sucking their thumbs. Guess what? We're calling all of you out. We're calling all of you out. Come in. Come in. Submit yourself to the teaching. Listen attentively. Conform completely. Now is the time for you to grow up. Now that the, the, the sweet pill of emotion is passed, and now it's the time to dig in. 
to put one foot in front of the other, to drive forward. Now's the time for perfecting. So perfecting is needed when there's a capacity, but the execution is lacking. It's not consistent. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, why, why are we harping on this perfecting thing? Why are we harping on this perfecting thing? You know what? Because I can call you and I can listen to you all night. I can invite you over and I can try to give you some counsel. But until you have submitted yourself to the perfecting gift, the counsel will not have power in your life. The counsel will not have power in your life. Many of you look at the things that are done at the, at the growth of, the, of, the, of, the, of those that are committed in this ministry. And you say, well, I'll do those same things. I, I, I attend those same services. But have you committed yourself? Have you committed yourself to being mature, to the change where God says you need to change? Ephesians chapter 4 Verse 11, he gave some, this is Jesus Christ, that he sent the, the, the Holy Spirit and power. In Christ, he gave some apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And so it says here that perfecting, perfecting, it is preparing, it is equipping, it is making adequate or suitable it's completely furnishing. Perfecting its training that fully qualifies. Perfecting its training that fully qualifies. In verse 8 it says that he gave gifts unto men. When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. And so because he gave the gifts, that should already let you know that it's something that you could not attain on your own. That you could not attain with your running buddies and your boys. You could not obtain with your small group fellowship. You could not obtain with your, with your Friday night socials and get-togethers and mixers. That this is something that, that Christ put in the body because it was necessary. And it was, it was not something that would automatically spring up, that would automatically develop. He had to give it. It wasn't already in the earth. It wasn't something that was going to develop and evolve over time. He had to give it. And he gave it because it was necessary. He gave it because it was necessary. When we're talking about a perfected ministry, what's it, what does it look like? How do you know if you are in a perfecting ministry? How do you know? Some of you are tuning in from, all, from many places. How do you know if you are in a perfecting ministry? Especially in these times when we're not inside the physical buildings and you don't have the, the trappings and you don't have what they call the liturgy, also called the order of service. Some people call it the pomp and circumstances. Some people just call it the faking and the fronting. You don't have all that, that circumstantial stuff, the song service, and the people laying hands and the people running around the buildings. 
that, that was maybe a clue according to your tradition that you were in a place where God was speaking. How do you know when you're in a perfecting ministry? Go to Matthew chapter 16. Go to Matthew chapter 16. Some of you think that you're in a perfected ministry, but you're not. Some of you are are in a perfected ministry, but you're looking at the wrong things. You're looking at the wrong stuff. You're looking at the trappings. You're looking at the form. You don't see the substance. Matthew chapter 16. This is Christ asking his, his disciples about what is, the, what is the word around town? What are they saying about him? And just jump down. This is what, what Peter says in, in uh, Matthew chapter 16, verse 15. He's, he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? This is Christ talking. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood have not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, upon this revelation, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Upon this revelation that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. That Jesus the Christ, the promised, the anointed one. That he is the Son. He is of the same substance. In likeness of the living God. The living God. The God that is yet active. That is yet vital. That is yet moving to this day. And so we we see here that the church that's being established. The church is, is ecclesia. It is the gathering of citizens that are called out from their homes into the public place. The church is the assembly. And when we're saying citizens, the citizens of the kingdom are those that have confessed Christ as their Savior. The church is the gathering of citizens that are called out from their homes into the public place. It's the assembly. Those that have confessed Christ as their Savior. Now why do I say assembly, assembly? This word assembly is, is vitally important because it's going, against, it's going to go against what some of you have thought that churches were all along. Look, the assembly is a public place. It's not a private gathering. It's not a meeting of just family and friends and close intimates. It's not a meeting of those that look like me, that are in the same social status that I'm in. 
It's not a meeting of those that I would like to have a beer with or I'd like to have dinner with or I'd like to, to hang out and kick it with. No, the, the assembly, it's a public place where everybody is welcome. We're all gathering. Listen, the church is called out to witness to the world. The church is called out to witness to the world. It says in Matthew that, that, that we should be as, as, a, as a candle that is set upon a hill. And so Matthew, look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. It says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. The church is called out to be a witness to the world. How did we end up with the black church, the white church, the Chinese church, the Spanish church? When we've been called out to a public place, to an open gathering of all men and all nations, we're called out to witness to the world. The church is called out to hold up the standard of righteousness. The church, how did we get to the place where the church, people think the church is supposed to, to, to go along, to get along. That we're supposed to be at peace with all men, no matter what they say and what their terms are. That we need to be accommodating. Otherwise, we're not showing love. We're not showing love when we accommodate your sin. We're not showing love when we accommodate your unrighteousness. We're not showing love when we can say you can just go to hell. Because I have the words of truth and I won't tell them to you. The church is called out to hold up the standard of righteousness. Go to John 3. Familiar passage of scripture, John 3. We're just going to jump down to verse 18. It says, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light is come into the world. That the light is come into the world. Jesus just said that you need to be that light. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Just because men's deeds are evil, that does not mean that means that you must even more. Because men's deeds are because there is darkness, you must shine even brighter. People ought to look at you funny. They ought to think that you're a little strange. They ought to know that you're a little different. Why? Because you're part of those called out people. You're part of that assembly. You guys don't even hide your stuff. It's all out in the public. Everybody can see it. The church, is, it's called out. It's called out to strengthen. To strengthen one another. To strengthen one another. Far be it from us to speak to the nations... And there is need in our own house. In Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 it says, Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to do good works. Far be it from us to hold forth a standard of righteousness and say those sinners, those sinners, those sinners, and there is sin among us. 
to provoke unto love and to good works. And guess what? This is not, yes, yes, do it in your saint to saint, but we're talking about perfecting ministry. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves, of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another in so much the more as you see the day approaching. When you see that word assembly, that means it's about the church. It's about the church. Too often we think that we can make a difference in people's lives just by our own personality, by our own charisma, by our own standing. But guess what, baby? You ain't all that. What you think you have, eh, there are sinners that have more. There are sinners that have more. The morality that you believe you have, you know what? Uh, some of your friends remember back in when you were 18 and 19. They remember those days when you had those conversations. And you know what? They can see the struggles that you have sometimes. Because that sin, it, it, it so easily besets. It so easily besets. They can see, you know what? They, 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 they saw you take that second look. And they knew what you were thinking. Because they thought it with you back in the day. Now they're surprised because, you know what? He's not acting like that anymore. He didn't say that thing I thought he was going to say. I saw that in his eye. I remember that look, but, but the words never came out. It's because you matured some. You've matured some. You've matured some. You're always going to be tested. But how are you going to respond to that? How are you going to respond to that? You know you're in a perfected ministry when the words and the actions are in agreement. When the words and the actions are in agreement. We said that the scribes and the Pharisees, they sat in the seat of Moses. They knew what the law was. They declared what the law was. They declared what the regulations were. They placed heavy burdens on men. But they wouldn't bear those same burdens themselves. They would not discipline themselves. And we know that all men will fall short if they try to hold themselves to the law. That all men will fall short in holding themselves to the law. But guess what? You need to, hold, you need to place yourself under the hand of the Almighty God. And say, Lord, where my flesh would buck up, I've submitted myself to you. Where my flesh would act out, I've submitted myself to you. So you know that you are in a perfecting ministry when the words and the actions and leadership, that they are aligned. That what they say that you do, they've already done it themselves. The messages that they bring to you, they've already applied those messages to themselves. They've gone to God asking for forgiveness. Even as they preach forth a righteous standard to all the people. In Matthew chapter 23. Now, as 
that's what we talked about before. What, what they bid you to do, observe and do. Do what they tell you to do, but don't, don't follow their works. You know that you're in a perfecting ministry when the body of Christ is built up. When the body of Christ is edified. What does that mean? That means that the characteristics, the characteristics of Christ are developed in the members through the example that is set by leadership. The characteristics of Christ are being developed in the membership by the example that is set by leadership. That's set by leadership. So when we talk about building up the body of Christ, building up the body of Christ, and we talk about leadership, one thing I want you all to understand in the perfecting ministry, it follows the line of authority that stems from God through Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, that gives gifts. But everyone that is in leadership, no matter what their position is, they all fall under the direction of our pastor, Pastor Alva Hill. Listen, this church only has one pastor. Now, it doesn't matter to me what your friends say. It doesn't matter to me what your aunties think. But this church only has one pastor. And that's Pastor Alva Hill. That's Pastor Alva Hill. Look, I ain't going to fight with nobody. I'm not going to tussle with your uncle now. But we know, we know, those that have committed themselves to the perfecting ministry, we know this church has one pastor, Pastor Alva Hill. Now, a lot of times in ministry, you'll see things that come up and you're not exactly sure where, 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 that, where that particular idea came from. But we know that this church has one pastor. So it does not matter if you get a phone call. Listen, when the members are submitted to authority, when they're acting according to delegated authority, it does not matter who places the phone call to you saying that we're going to do thus and so. If it's coming from the ministry, it's from the pastor. Now, a lot of people, they get, you know, you're immature when you look and you say, well, well, who's the department head? How long have they been here? Uh, does, does, does Minister Haston know about that? Are, are, are you sure? You're, you're getting a notice on an official church notification channel about what the church is going to do. And you're questioning who posted the notice. That's like, that's like the thing that, that, that chickens do. When they're in the chicken yard and, and, they, and they bump into each other, they, they can't just live and, and coexist harmoniously and each person has their own space but they got to go they got to go they peck they they peck and, and peck one another the the big fat chicken pecks the little chickens 
And the medium-sized chickens, they run away from the big fat chicken and they peck on the little chickens. That's where we get the term pecking order. Listen, you get it straight. We got one pastor. One pastor. Pastor Alva Hill. When you see communications that come from the, from the office or through approved church communication channels and there are dates that are being stated, there are calls for volunteers to sign up, there's calls for resources to be committed. It is not for you to question, well, I'm not a part of children's ministry or I'm not a part of the, the, uh, the care ministry or I'm not... Get in line. Fall in line. Fall under the delegated authority. Grow up. Grow up. It's, it's, it's little children that go and say, you know, did mama say you could do that? Did daddy say you could do that? And they're always trying to make sure that, 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 that their siblings are in order when they are the ones that are out of order. I just love it back in the children's ministry, you know, and, and I accept it because they're children. But sometimes we'll have one child that, that that's maybe a little outside of of uh, of the uh, of the task at hand, and the other children because they they just love God so much, and they love order so much, and they love righteousness so much. They'll say, "So and so is outside of the task." Let me show him how to get back on. Let me show her how to get back on task. We have to tell him, baby, look, there's just one teacher in this classroom. You're not the teacher. You're not the authority in this setting. That which needs to be corrected, the authority will correct. You need to focus on your task, on your work. If you, when we show honor, when we, when we give the honor that is due to our pastor, we're focused on hearing what God is saying and applying ourselves fully to the work that we have to do. We're not, we're not concerned about, well, you know, that sounds like a, 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 a under 30 work. Uh, under 30 something work. That sounds like a young person's work. You know, that sounds like man's work. That sounds like woman's work. You know, maybe that, that sounds like, you know, maybe somebody that has those other skills work. I, you know, I, I just work in an office or, or I only work with electronics. I don't work with anything, you know, that has dirt associated with it. You know what? Fall under the authority. Grow up. Grow up. Mature. Mature. The essential call of this ministry is to restore this generation. We cannot allow this next generation to see us acting a fool. Pecking and pecking at each other so that God's work is not done. Trying to place burdens, burdens on our pastor. Instead of lifting her hands up, we're weighing them down. Because we need to ask her to clarify that what she said to so-and-so is what she said to so-and-so. And that I need to listen to what she said to so-and-so because so-and-so said it. You know what? The minute you think to send that email, 
to place that call, the Holy Spirit just needs to descend right upon you. It needs to come down on you like the rain and just weigh on your heart. It needs to rob you of your sleep. Say, how, how dare I? I'm getting church communications from official church communication channels. And I'm questioning who it comes from. If somebody uses our stuff that's not supposed to use it, guess what? We'll get it right. And we'll make sure everybody knows what the proper order is. This ministry, you need to understand what delegated authority is. More than once, you may have made your plans. And your plans could have been approved at the time. And we find out four weeks that what's coming to about is not in excellence. And it's not according to the standard of this ministry. And we'll send out a communication that that thing has changed. And guess what? You just met delegated authority. Now it's time to grow up. You're going to poke your lip out. You're going to pout and sulk and draw back. Well, that'll be the last time I give my ideas. You know, you need to grow up. You need to grow up. This church is established on the revelation that Jesus Christ, he is the son of the living God. It is on that revelation that we stand. It's not based on your ego. It's not based on your feelings. It's not based on your fears. That somebody's going to shine brighter than you. Why are you trying to shine inside of four walls? Get out into the world and let your light shine there. There are people in darkness that need to see the light. And you're trying to outshine your brother and your sister. This generation, it's been, it's been lost in sin. And because of that kind of foolishness, it's been made idle. They've been, they, they've been made to think that they can sit back and wait. That they should sit back and wait. That there's not a place for them. But guess what? We're restoring this generation. We're bringing them back to the place where they can hear from God. And God is speaking because he needs you to act. He needs you to grow up. He needs you to obey. Without our pastor... We cannot, we cannot be effective in our service to God. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.